0: Reading an article about um, Tokyo in Japan, and this article it was talking about some of the social issues that they're facing in Tokyo at this time uh, in their society. In particular, it was commenting on the lack of social interactions and some of the friendships uh, that are lacking within their society uh, at the moment that people have. Um, And not just how this is affecting individuals, but also how this is affecting their whole society. Um, As a whole. And it was telling a story of someone called Miyabi who is what's called a professional friend. Miyabi works for a rent a friend service and averages about 15 clients. Per week. Now, there's nothing romantic, there's nothing sexual about this. In fact, romance is one of the rules that can't be broken. Rather, this rent-a-friend service is solely about people wanting someone to be able to interact with in a social setting. the state The state of social relationships in this city has gotten so bad that people now. Uh, the people are now recognising that it's affecting how their society is working, and now there's been this new opening for people to become professional friends. So if you are someone who is a very good friend, there is a career opening for you in Tokyo, Japan right now. This person, uh, Miyabi, who worked for this Rent-A-Friend service, says this, there's two rules, no romance and no lending money. Also, be ready for all types of clients. There's widowers who need uh, someone to watch TV with. There's shy guys who could use a dating coach. There's shy gals longing for a shopping companion. And that one dude who just wanted a friend who'd do him the solid of waiting seven hours outside Nike to snag these fresh sneakers for him when they went on sale. There are many people who haven't been touched for years. We have clients who start to cry when we shake hands with them. It's not that people lack friends, she says. Facebook, Instagram, scroll around you and you find a country bursting with mugging, partying, companionship. But it just isn't real, that's all. There's a real me and a masked me. We have a word for that lonely gap in our society between these two things, and that is kodoku. There's something within every single one of us that craves authentic, genuine, real connection with other people. Not just some uh, random form of connection, but this is in-person connection that all of us crave. We have been built to require relationships with other people where we can be honest and truly be ourselves. And in today's society, more than ever, We need to learn how to invest into relationships with other people once again. We need to learn how to one another again. In particular, this is important for us in the church because the New Testament speaks so much about this. Currently, we're going through a series called One Another, as you can see there on the screen, and what we're going to be doing is looking at eight of the One Another statements throughout the New Testament. In the original language, there's not two separate words for One Another, as we see, but rather there's just this one word, which is our lay loan, and we see this word presented a hundred times in 94 New Testament Verses. And last week we began with the most foundational one another or a lay loan statement, which is to love one another. To agape, which means unconditionally love one another. About 30% of the one another statements throughout the entire New Testament are all about agapeing one another. Um, which is loving one another in an unconditional way. And today, we're going to be uh, continuing down this trajectory and getting a little bit more practical in how we are able to one another well. So, if you have your Bibles, open up to Hebrews 10, uh, and we'll be reading from verses 19 to 25. It'll also be up there on the screen. It says in Hebrews 10, 19 to 25... Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another, spur a lay loan on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and and all the more as you see the day approaching." Now, as always, whenever you see that word, therefore, for those of you who have been in church circles, you would know this, you need to know what it's there for. Just prior to this, um, what happened uh, just in the section just uh, preceding this, the writer of Hebrews has been telling the reader um, that Christ's sacrifice is different to the Old Testament sacrificial system. Um, in the Old Testament, if someone had sinned against God or sinned against another person, what was required was an animal sacrifice to atone for that sin, um, which was on behalf of that person. But Christ's sacrifice, the writer of Hebrews is saying, this has superseded and fulfilled the sacrificial system because it's a greater sacrifice. This sacrifice atones for all sins because Jesus died on the cross. There is now no need to go back to previous ways and previous um, uh, options of how you would atone for sin. Rather, Jesus' death on the cross has covered all sin. But then the writer goes on, Therefore, because of this, because of what has happened, we can now approach God. Because our sin has been covered, we can now enter into the presence of God. God is not an enemy holding our sin against us. Rather, Jesus has cleansed us of our sin. And that's what in verses 19 to 22 is all about. But then the tone begins to shift a little bit. Because we have been cleansed of our sin, don't let go of this faith that you have in Jesus. Not only should we hold on to this faith... But let's also spur on one another towards love and good deeds. This word "spur," it's uh, it's rooted in uh, in the Greek word "paroxymos," which means to provoke. And the idea here, when it says to to spur on one another, is to push one another towards love and good deeds. There is almost like this accountability that is expected as the writer of Hebrews is saying this. But just prior to this, we see these words, let us consider how we might do this. So it's almost like the the writer is saying to us, be creative in the way that you provoke one another towards love and good deeds. Think about this carefully, how you might be able to do this for one another. And then there is the tool that is presented, which God has given us clearly here to spur on one another towards love and good deeds, and that is the gathering, the church. It's so what you're doing here right now, meeting together. The writer of Hebrews is, uh, is one of the very few biblical writers who deals with this topic of falling away, of someone who maybe has walked with Jesus for a while and then uh, seemingly stops um, stops in their faith and here the writer describes the importance of gathering, doing what you're doing right now, to avoid losing the faith that they have just spoken about. This word meeting here, it has at its root the word episynagogue, which if you know anything, <laughs> that, uh, that sounds like the word synagogue. So essentially the writer is saying here to their Jewish audience, don't stop Synagoguing together. Yes, meet in homes and have gatherings throughout the week, but come together in these larger groups as you always have, synagogue together to worship Jesus with one another continue to meet and synagogue with one another to spur one another on. It's like God has intended for the gathering, what we're doing right now, to be the mechanism or the how of spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. He's intended for people to come to the place of gathering to help one another thrive in our relationship with God and with other people. Elsewhere in the New Testament we see a different word which is this word ecclesia, which is what we translate as our word church. Contrary to how we talk about church today, like Brackenridge Baptist Church, we often will talk about this as a place or a building. The word church was actually a very regular, commonly used word um, by secular groups in the, uh, in the ancient. Uh, culture and this simply means a called out assembling or gathering. It's not a word that Christians came up with, rather it was a regularly used word during during the day. In ancient Athens, the Ecclesia was a group of about 6,000 people who were summoned, they were sent letters and called out to have a meeting with one another. They would gather about three to four times a month, these 6,000 people, to talk on issues of legislation and war and they were the ones who voted on who the leaders of Athens would be. Athens was one of the first democratic societies in the uh, the world. Christians began to see similarities in their own gatherings. They themselves were gathering about four times a month and they were the called out ones. so as Christianity began making headway, the Christians decided we're going to steal this word and we're going to use it for our own gatherings. I mean, it makes sense. They were called out of the world uh, uh, by God into a gathering with one another. Now, it's very important to remember that the church or ecclesia didn't just mean the people, it meant the assembly or the gathering of the people. Some of you may have heard this quote said, that the church is the people. That uh, quote is very, very close to being right, but actually the church, the ecclesia, is the people gathered. The point of the word ecclesia and this passage in Hebrews is that the community with believers, with one another, spurring on one uh, one another towards love and good deeds is not an optional of Christian faith, rather that this, gathering with one another, is at the very heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. A very famous person, John Wesley, who founded the Methodist Church, uh, says this, the Bible knows nothing of a solitary religion, but the need to gather is something in our world today that I would say that the world is actively combating the need to uh, to gather. Almost every technological advancement in the past few years has enabled us to spend more time not needing to go anywhere and spend more time in our homes. It would be quite easy for many of us nowadays to not even leave the house, to maybe not even leave the couch. As a, uh, as a quick activity, who has used some of these things? Will you work our way through them and see which of you have used these different things? We're going to start really easy. Who here has used a television before or watched a television? There's some of you who haven't lifted your hands up at all. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Who of you has used an, the internet or a computer? Who of you has used a mobile phone or a tablet? <laughs> Using one right now. Who here has used Spotify? Keep your hands up high, there we go. Or Apple Music, whatever it's called. Who here has used a streaming service? So Netflix, Stan, Binge, etc. Who here has used some form of social media? Most people in the room, I got on threads this past week. I don't think it'll last, um, for those of you who are interested in that. Um, who here has used video calling? Most of us have probably done this. We have Zoomed one another. Zoomers is now probably overtaken Skype. Who here has used product delivery before? So Amazon or eBay? I love eBay. Many of you. <laughs> who here has used grocery delivery, mainly with like Coles or Woolies? Going down a little bit. Who here has used meal kit delivery? So, dinnerly, HelloFresh, Marley Spoon, every Plate, U Foods. Who here has used that? Oh, less people than I thought. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I use dinnerly every week. I'm not sponsored, by the way, just so you know. Who here has used a food delivery service, like Uber Eats or DoorDash or MenuLog? There you go. Now, I want you to hold your hand up high. Who has used all of these things? <laughs> Many of you have used all of these things. I myself have, uh, have used all of these things. With all of these different things that have come out over the past few years, these different advancements that we've made, this is giving us more and more ability to stay at home And a lot of these things, when you put them all together, it can condition us to feel like meeting with one another and spending time with one another is becoming more and more irrelevant. Um, COVID is the thing that has fast forwarded this for many of us. A lot of these things were available prior to the pandemic. And yet for many of us, we didn't discover a lot of these things until the pandemic and we had to retreat to our homes, It would be very easy when you put all of these different things together for many of us to do the majority of our life, even the majority of your career, from home and never leave the house. Now, for those of us like myself who are introverts, this can sound pretty appealing, but this is not how we're wired to be. We are built for genuine, authentic connection and interaction with other people in our our lives. Uh, A little while ago, Sarah and I were staying, my wife and I were staying in the city and we were walking to get some some dinner and we came to an intersection, a four-way intersection that we needed to cross and we were waiting for the lights to change. And as I was waiting... I had a look around at the different people in this intersection. There would have been about 50 people there and about three quarters of the people were down looking on their phones and there wasn't any conversation happening with one another. There wasn't any interaction even with the people who were walking with one another but almost everyone had their heads down on their phone. Because we are constantly using these things because these things can enable us to retreat more and more into ourselves and into our homes and onto our couches because we can use these different things being with people is seeming less and less relevant or necessary and we have entered into this new era which is the loneliness epidemic. It has been said that the rates of loneliness in Australia are at the stage where it is considered an epidemic. Loneliness, it doesn't have anything to do with being around other people. Um, There is another issue in our society of social isolation, which is a real issue, but that is different to loneliness. You can be lonely irrelevant of how many people you have around you irrelevant of how many friends you have on uh, on social media and how many people you know and one study found these results about loneliness in australia since the onset of the covid 19 pandemic just over half 54 percent of respondents responded that they felt more lonely since the start of the pandemic One quarter of Australians reported feeling lonely at least once a week prior to the pandemic. Middle-aged men are about three times more likely to feel high-level loneliness than men over 65. There's growing evidence that loneliness is as bad for your health as smoking or obesity. It's known, it's proven that regular, the genuine, authentic, in-person connection with other people is vital to your own individual health and also to the health of community and, uh, and society. About May last year, I went to a, uh, a gathering where there were some uh, different senior pastors from around Australia and Uh, At this particular time in May last year, the only topic of discussion um, was how people were dealing with life following the lockdowns of the pandemic. And it was clear who in the room were the Queenslanders, because we were feeling quite optimistic and happy and things were going quite well but it was also very clear who were the Victorians in the room because the Victorians had a huge amount of trauma from being locked down and being isolated from other people for about 18 months. There was something that was causing ongoing issues for many of these people and many of their churches because of the lack of social interaction that people had over these 18 months. Earlier on this year, I got to see many of these same pastors again, and they are, many of them, still dealing with a lot of these issues in their churches. A lot of them are still dealing with issues personally because of the social isolation that they experienced during these, uh, these lockdowns. We are just not built to do life on our own, and the pandemic showed us that. But the pandemic, it also opened our eyes to all of the different tools that we can use within our world to do life more and more on our own. Now, the thing I find amazing about our world, all of these, this, uh, this information is really, really helpful, but a lot of the time I find the world takes a while to catch up to what we actually see in Scripture and what the Bible teaches. When we look at verse 25 of what we just read... Let us consider how we may spur on one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Scripture teaches us the value and importance of gathering with one another. We're taught that there is something actually special that happens when we meet together in the ecclesia, in the church, in the gathering, and spur on one another in our weeks to love and good deeds. There is something special that happens when we come and we gather with one another. This is where God's Spirit dwells, in a special way because we together are the temple when we are called the temple of the holy spirit there is not one person who is one temple one person who is another temple we together are the temple of the holy spirit and so there is a special sense of god's presence here as we gather together this is also where we experience the diversity of the kingdom of god This gathering is where you experience this diversity. It's in this gathering that you are rubbing shoulders with people who look different, who sound different, they're a different age, they come from different backgrounds to you. The gathering was never meant to be filled with people who are all the same. This is where we place ourselves under accountability. That's a uh, a dirty word in our society, but it is something that Scripture encourages. Part of spurring on one another to love and good deeds is checking in with one another on how we are going. This is where we invest into one another and use our gifts. This is where we can use the spiritual gifts that God has blessed us with to build up the church and advance the kingdom in the world. this is also where you are spurred on to face the world this is the place where we should be investing most into one another so that we can leave here and be Jesus witnesses in the world and this I love everyone online but this can't happen the same way online now if you are joining with us online I'm so glad that you are here we are not going anywhere we're not getting rid of church online so I just want to uh, let you rest assured of that I received an email recently from a, uh, an old Bible college friend of mine, who is now living in a rural area and working as a, a chaplain. And this area that he's in doesn't have any churches there, it's about four hours away from the nearest, uh, from, from the nearest evangelical church, and because of this, um, he's decided to make our church his church home. So, he might be joining with us right now, each week. He's likely, yeah, as I said, joining with us uh, even now. Now, even though he's joining with us online, he let me know that he's really craving in-person community with other believers. He wants to be encouraged in what he's doing. He wants to see what God is doing in other believers uh, in, uh, in the world. There is a place for online ministry to take place. I completely believe that. But although online ministry is great, I genuinely believe that in-person is better. People are engaging in the online space all the time. Many of you engage in the online space all the time. So it's important that we are present there. But if you want real next level, genuine connection and community in the way that Jesus intended, you need face-to-face community with other believers. Like we know this. Every so often, I will hop on Zoom or FaceTime with my siblings. My sister lives in Bundaberg. My brother lives in Indonesia. And having tools like Zoom and FaceTime are a great way for us to be able to stay connected. But this doesn't mean that they will never travel back to Brisbane and I will never travel to them to never see them again. We acknowledge that relationship is done better in person. We will still go to great lengths, and spend a huge amount of finances to see one another. This is because online is good and these tools are a good thing, but in-person is better because there is something special and unique that happens in the gathering when we are here with one another. Now, some of you might be there thinking, but Dave, you don't understand I'm an introvert. I love to be alone. Now, I completely empathize with you. I'm an introvert who likes being alone too, but we were made to live in community with one another. Even introverts need to be with other believers at some stage. Or you might be thinking, but Dave, you have a vested interest in this because you're a pastor. I guess that's true, and I can acknowledge that. But I also grew up my whole life before pastoring, going to church pretty much every week of my life, and I have seen the benefit that this has made in my own and other people's spiritual formation in rubbing shoulders with other believers and learning from them. Or you might be thinking, but Dave, there's just weeks I don't feel like I'm getting heaps out of it. The gathering is not primarily about what you get out of it notice the language that is used here in hebrews let us consider how we may spur on one another one another toward love and good deeds it's about us giving of ourselves to one another the gathering that we are in right now yes what we do on stage is important preaching of god's word worshiping all the other things we do here on stage is important but what we do Afterwards is equally as important. Or you might be thinking, but Dave, my life group or ministry area, church events are the things that I go to for my time of community with other believers. Now, all of those things are great, and I'm not saying don't be a part of them, but remember that the word here used for meeting is the same word as synagogue. These people are being told to gather together as a larger whole. Not only that, but if you only mix with people who look like you, talk like you and sound like you, then you are missing out on a huge part of what it means to be in the kingdom of God. Well, the final thing, you might be even thinking, but Dave, there's just weeks. It's easier to stay at home. Now, I can understand that, but I would say what's actually underlying that is placing a low priority on the importance of gathering. That is also the beginning, I would say, of becoming like the people who the writer of Hebrews is warning against and saying to not give up meeting together. I think for a lot of us, we have people in our lives, don't we? People who have once been going strong for Jesus, but they begin to fade off a little bit and then a little bit more, and then a little bit more, until there's no desire to follow Jesus anymore. Many of us would have people like that in our lives. My pastoral encouragement is don't allow yourself or even those who are close to you to fall into that. Continue to gather together and spur on one another toward love and good deeds. To finish our time, I just want to give you one specific challenge to finish our time for some of you you will find this very easy for some of you you might find this more difficult and this challenge is specifically for those who call our church home i want you to try do everything you can to come here to the gathering every sunday throughout this series i want you to make every effort that you can to be in this gathering throughout this series. And if you are unable to be here through those weeks, then feel free to go to, a, uh, to another gathering somewhere, somewhere. Now, I just want to let you know that I am actually on holidays for the next three Sundays. <laughs> so, I don't get anything out of this. If anything, this makes me look really bad if you come back every Sunday. Because suddenly there will be all of these people who will be coming to church and I will have gone. So maybe I'll be more encouraged to go on holidays more often. I will be going somewhere to another gathering, I can assure you, as, uh, as I'm gone. So that's the first challenge and I don't get anything out of it for the next three weeks anyway. But I also want to challenge you to come specifically with the attitude, what can I do to spur someone else on? What creative way, think creatively, what unique way can I encourage someone specifically in our church today? A little while ago, I was listening to an interview between uh, two church leaders, and one of these leaders is a pastor in Las Vegas, who said, on average, they will see the people of, uh, of their church about three times each month in person. That means for most, pe- most people, they would see them probably, they were saying, at one Uh, one ministry or or event, one service, and one life group a month. It doesn't mean three services a month, it means three times in total at uh, at different things. And as they shared, they spoke about this as normal, and that was a pretty good average for, for Las Vegas. And as they were sharing... Like, that's that's a very pragmatic attitude, but as I was sharing, all I could think about was the church in Acts 2, which says, "...they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need." Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's when God's people are gathered and and are spurring on one another that God began to work here in miraculous power, in their midst. It's also part of the reason that we see here that they were able to see so many people saved on a regular basis. We don't separate what happens here in the gathering from what happens out there in the world. Engaging with God's people on a rare basis is so far from what God desires for your life. He's got better for you And he wants to use his people around you to build you up and to form you into a person of love and good deeds don't buy into the lie that you are able to do this alone and you are able to do this on your couch in your home we need one another let us spur on one another toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. I just want to thank you, God. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here in the room. You have placed all of us here today for a reason. And God, I really do ask that we will not wait until future weeks to spur one another on towards love and good deeds, but would you use us today, would you use us after this service to be able to do that? Give us Holy Spirit opportunities that we know are from you. Would you prompt us by your Spirit and how we might be able to creatively and uniquely spur on one another toward love and good deeds? Lord, I just thank you for the blessing that is the gathering. We thank you that your spirit is here in a very special way. And I do ask that you will continue to move in our midst in following weeks, but also this morning in a very special way. In Jesus' name, amen.